Welcome to Apocalypse Live, mm. uh, the show where we ponder this pandemic and think about the ways, large and small, that it has affected our everyday lives, I guess. Um, I'm Alex. I'm Heather. There's a bit of a focus on Alice Springs. There's a bit of a focus on Alice Springs. But We're coming to you things. from Alice Springs. We do like to sometimes think about and talk about what's happening in the rest of the world. But it turns out when we do that, that we're often quite ill-informed. <laughs> yeah, so we're quite ill-informed about everything except just exactly what's going on in our immediate personal lives. In our postcode and also maybe the personal lives of some people we know who might live interstate. <laughs> but we won't disclose any of that. It's okay. <laughs> um, so the date. The date is Tuesday. The 13th, 13th of October, October <clears throat> because although this is Apocalypse Live, this is very much not live. Mm. Um, we're in Heather's living room yeah. recording from here. It's really lovely. Yeah. So I the, sort of thought, oh, sorry. Um, I was just going to say that the thing that I was kind of thinking about pondering this evening was whether or not we are currently living in a dystopian future. Yeah. Have like we transition, have we transitioned into the dystopian future of our childhood science fiction children's books? So, have we moved from a place of like peri apocalypse to post apocalypse? What's your thoughts on that? I mean, I guess my thoughts are that it's an extremely privileged place that we come from in the Northern Territory in Alice Springs, where really things have been quite post here for mm -hmm. quite a while yeah um and things are still quite peri in other places yeah. of the nation and the yeah, world yeah. and um you know obviously we're thinking of people that we know in melbourne but also people around the world like second wave happening in europe north america lots of other places like that but but it does seem funny i think one of the one of the indicators of living in a dystopian post apocalyptic future is that all of the bureaucratic red tape has begun around mm. the inquiries into yeah. things so there's kind of like this sense of like the machinery of like bureaucracy and kind of like federalism and all that sort of grinding yeah. back into gear where everything just becomes a bit politicized again and we're no longer all on the same team and like drawing yeah. rainbows on our driveways in chalk and yeah. just getting behind our strong leader and doing what needs to be done suddenly everybody's you know yeah, we're not, I mean? we're not connected anymore we're not unified not. Um, against our common Enemy. Enemy. I, I, mean, I was trying to think of a word that wasn't enemy and I couldn't. Yeah, there you go. So I think that sort of indicates to me that maybe, yeah, we are a little bit post-apocalypse. But, you know, the and yeah, the other thing that makes me feel like I'm not sure if I'm post-apocalypse or pre-apocalypse or I just kind of like checked out of apocalypse altogether was the sort of unwinding of any apocalypse prepping that I yeah. had done. 
you know, during during lockdown, like kind of stockpiling fuel. Um, mm. Just poured it into my car the other day, stockpiling things in the cupboard. I actually threw heaps of stuff in the bin mm. the other day because it was just like clogging up the cupboard and also I was allergic to it all. But I feel like the future you, just seems quite far away now anyway. You bought things that you were allergic well, to? Well, no, to they were kind of like apocalypse. things that I had in the kitchen. Right. That had arrived in the kitchen somehow that I hadn't thrown out because it's like, well, you know, if the apocalypse really comes, like maybe I'll just eat. Maybe you toast. will eat gluten if you have yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. So you've kind of like stopped your own personal yeah. prepping then. I threw out the one litre of coconut water that I've been stockpiling for, it turns out, about six years that expired in 2016 <laughs> that I found in the back of my cupboard. What's the I was like, oldest it's going thing in the bin. you've ever found in your cupboard? Like what's the oldest expiry date you've gone back to? Um, well, I did like a big clean out last year and I mean, cause I've only been in my house for six years. So the oldest stuff was like 2015 and 2014 mm. that it expired. But at my <clears> mum's <throat> over summer, we found medication that had expired in like 1991. See, this fridge. is a big thing. The medication expiration story, mm. because I still have all the expired antibiotics that I got paid for by the Australian government mm. when I went and worked overseas. So I have like all this doxycycline and stuff yeah. that expired in sort of early 2016. And I've just been really reticent to throw that out because I feel like that would be so useful in an apocalypse. I'd rather but take... Don't throw it out. We're going to need it in the apocalypse. Yeah. I mean, that doxycycline, sure. Yeah. I guess it's for malaria. So it's also really great for your skin. As well. It is too. Yeah. So if you want to be glowing in yeah. your bunker. And if you want to be able to like come see me and I'll give you a good price. And know that it won't turn into a horrible red, you know, yeah. volcano on your face. Okay. So we're noticing that there's bureaucratic level stuff happening that's mm. post apocalypse. There's personal prepping stuff happening that sort of indicates that we're no longer. Yeah. It's like a disconnection. Hearing this sense. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, you only have to look at the vegetable garden, I say, with heavily mm. accented air quotes in our backyard to know that we're no longer reliable <laughs> as a food source and perhaps never should have. So, and um, I think there's also been, it doesn't feel different enough to be post. Yeah. Does it? It's, but yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think that's a symptom of where we are in, in mm, Alice Springs yeah. and the, the, the limited changes that we've had to put in place here. But, you know, like I think you talk about that bureaucratic machine kicking back in or kicking in, like that does feel like an ending, mm. you know. Yeah. And it is kicking back in about things and about issues and in response to crises that simply were unimaginable, obviously, mm. a year ago or whatever. So so that does feel very post it's interesting, though, none of us are getting around in what I would call post-apocalyptic fashion. Yeah. So there's no suits of armour made That's from, true. like, scavenged material. I have There's no excessive face paint. Or yeah. I haven't scalped any, like, got any scalps on the front of my car or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. So, so in some ways there's a distance left to go. <laughs> is it ironic that the apocalypse obviously arrived this year in the form of the pandemic and the places that it has changed the most are Melbourne rather than here in the desert so that there's no Mad Max scenario here. Mm. Surely this would have been the perfect opportunity to 
Be careful what you wish for, mate. Yeah. Because those okay. borders with regional Victoria are coming down. Yeah, yeah, this is like true. Two short weeks. This is true. Okay, so where are we at? So the dystopian future that we live in mm. consists of things like the photo that I showed you of a park in Melbourne that my folks took and sent to me earlier today. Yes. Should I show you the photo and you describe it? Please, to yeah. Me. Yeah. Yep. Because, I, I mean, I think this photo is an image from the dystopian future. So I'm looking at here a photo of, oh, there's just so much green in this that it just makes me jealous and I just have to take a moment to, you know, mm. acknowledge that as somebody who lives in the desert. A beautiful landscaped public park with a little bit of a lake and some trees and some beautiful lawn and there are these weird, I'd love to say crop circles, but they're not <laughs> crop circles. They're just straight up circles on the ground that have been painted much like people would paint, you know, a rugby field or something like that, which are there to indicate that if you go with a group of people, you will have to sit inside mm -hmm. this particular circle. So each circle has like a little cross at the centre of it. I guess the idea is that if you remain within the circle, then you are abiding by the social the distancing regulations. Rules. So this yeah. is the bubble. This like, is the bubble, yeah. These are this the bubbles is, on the ground. This image is a physical, tangible representation of the social bubble. I have to say there are no people sitting inside any of these circles. That is a very good point. <laughs> so it seems like perhaps not super appealing. There are no people at all in that photo. Yeah. This is a quite large public park and there's like not a soul visible. Mm. So maybe the vibe is that if we have to go and sit within a weird little circle in a park that's just got little circles all over the ground, it's just not quite as fun. And mm. yeah, and just that like I guess going to a park is this kind of activity of freedom and release and kind of relinquishing the shackles of the domestic space and the the constraints of walls and roofs and ceilings into mm. perfectly bureaucratically aligned circles mm. on, onto the grass i yeah yeah it's very sad i mean it kind of reminds me of little circles that exist now on the floor in the queues at Woolies. Yeah. And I really like those little circles because mm. I don't like people being up in my personal space yeah, that's true. when I'm in a queue. Yeah. So I have appreciated those. That's been a nice silver lining for me. These, I don't these like These crop at all. circles are a bridge too far. They are. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, you know, when, when I look at this photo, I, it contrasts so starkly. The strangeness of it contrasts so starkly with the relatively unchanged public spaces that we're mm. occupying here in Alice Springs at the minute. Mm. Um, and so even though we, I feel like there's some question for you and I, are we in a post-apocalyptic world? Are we in a peri-apocalyptic world? Did it just all kind of like skate on bias? Images like that from Melbourne are a reminder that we yeah. are here in unusual territory, the Northern Territory. I also, I talked to my sister in Canada and that was kind of another reminder that in other parts of the world that aren't Alice Springs, which, you know, on every other level is obviously kind of quite a central focus of the world. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a real fulcrum point of, of international political power. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. 
But, but yeah, Fliss was talking about how there's like a second wave starting and some of the restrictions that they have. And she was also reflecting that she works in a school and everyone has to wear masks. And there's sort of some rules around it where you don't have to and things like that, but everyone's largely wearing masks and um, the kids are getting pretty sick of it. Understandably, mm. it's like an unusual thing and, and they've been mm. back for about a month now. And Fliss mentioned Melbourne and, and obviously our family. Um, our mum and dad are in Melbourne and, and lots of friends and things like that. And Fliss mentioned what's going on in Melbourne. And no one in Canada, like the teachers as well, had really heard about what was happening in yeah. Melbourne. So she kind of, to the class and to the teachers, reflected on some of the stuff or, or just shared some of the stuff that's been going on um, and, and the restrictions that people are living with in Melbourne. And everyone was very, very shocked. Yeah, I think they genuinely are some of the most extreme in the world. Well, they are. Um, they are. They are. Yeah. yeah. But also, just that the um, that that story of lockdown is not very audible in the rest of the world as well, which I kind of feel like is this symptom of like if you keep the story internal, then there's this relative measure of how things are going as well. Mm. So that in Canada, where the numbers have been far less than the US, but obviously far greater than Australia, there's a feeling of like, oh, well, it's just pretty chilled out here and. Um, the numbers are really low, but compared to Australia, the numbers are huge. Mm. Um, Yet we have these insane measures in place. Well, because that's what's keeping those numbers so low. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's just hard to say though, isn't it? Yeah. Because then you can't live like that forever and then so what happens when yeah. you ease them up? Do you it's accept true. a certain amount? I, I and don't you know, know just anyway. to kind of like note how quickly we get used to things, you and I have just been sitting here for however long, 10 minutes, kind of saying that, oh, we live these lives and, like, it's kind of weird because nothing's actually changed in the end and we're just not that, um, you know, we're not that impacted. But, in fact, um, a big impact on us is not being able to travel mm. interstate and not have family travel here and that's having impacts on lots of our lives. But it's sort of we've kind of forgotten about that being a part of the narrative. And um, when I was sharing that with my sister in Canada, she was just like, whoa, what like she kind of hadn't been paying heaps of attention but that was that's not a measure that's in place where she is and that seemed really really huge to her mm. and, and so you know our kind of day-to-day lives we're sitting here next to each other on the couch uh, mm. uh, in some ways unshaved unshaved unchanged <laughs> but in other ways uh, <laughs> like they are we are kind of we've just gotten used to some of this yeah, stuff yeah we have gotten used to it i think i think i was thinking particularly about that travel thing the other day well a couple of things i was reading an article about ways in which people i was reading like an article i think it was in the monthly which was about responses or prepping for pandemics, I guess, mm. that governments generally do as part of just being governments, being prepared for all sorts of shit. It did make me wonder, what other shit are you guys secretly prepping for? Ooh. Like what other apocalypses have you, what other apocalypse plans do you have up your sleeves? But mm. anyway, perhaps that's an episode for another time. Yeah. But they were talking about how most of the prepping that had been done worldwide and exercises that had been run for pandemics was all focused on there being an influenza pandemic Pandemic. So there being like a very specific, this really specific disease that operates in a really specific way. And I know there's kind of like this idea that COVID and influenza are really similar, but apparently I now know they're actually quite different. Thank um, you. And so lots of the measures that we have in place now would never have been recommended during mm. these exercises. So um, the WHO has never recommended closing borders or doing like lockdowns in houses or anything like that as a as a way to 
battle a pandemic, but yet we've ended up doing all of these things that are essentially sort of, I guess, unproven, but Mm. sort of seem to be almost like instinctive ways to respond, I guess. And and is that because in the... um in the speculation about like an influenza pandemic, there's an assumption that there'd be medicines or things like that that would yes. be battling it. And, yes. and this is a scenario where there are there no medicines yet. So we have yeah. to respond in a, in a kind of non-medical so, yeah, way. There, there was always this assumption that you would be working with some sort of, not necessarily a vaccine, but some sort of treatment yeah. that might not cure but would, I suppose, help people. And so... Border closures were never recommended because they're, they're so inhibitive of contact tracing because then people cross borders anyway, but they don't talk about it. Yeah, so it was just really fascinating to think about all these ways in which all this prepping has been happening for a really long time, but it hadn't ever taken into account this I mean, just take note, novel. preppers, can <laughs> you actually prep for yeah. anything? It's just so yeah. like the future, it turns out. It's reasonably unpredictable. Turns out. But the other thing I was thinking was the travel story. And I was also reading an article about the impact on like the airline industry, which was really Mm -hmm. obviously been like totally devastating. And I think the industry sort of worldwide, this article was saying lost some insane amount of money in 2020. Did they have to invent a new number for it? Well, it was something like $400 billion, (laughs) which I just feel like is so next level Mm. um and that has had all these flow-on effects of problems of planes um having to be stored in places because they're not being yours yeah there's heaps of them out at the airport yeah yeah i mean that's a real like go and go and behold yeah it is go behold guys it's very odd seeing them all there but they are everywhere around the world all these parking lots that have been used for aircraft in the past and now just like absolutely chockers and they're Mm. having to undertake all these like weird bizarre things to kind of keep these planes Mm. able to be used when they can be used again but with like no knowledge of when that's it's sort of like the plane version of dad always telling me i should go and turn the engine of my car it's exactly (gasps) it's exactly like that yeah have you not done that this week no i was just thinking about a story and then i thought i won't tell it I'm so intrigued, as are our listeners. But, yeah, it does make you wonder, the travel story and the airline story, like how, like will we ever go back to a scenario where you just assume you can travel wherever you want to, whenever you want to, and that will always be available to you? And to me, this kind of like stories like that and that one thing, or one thing, I mean, it's a big thing, um, or it's a multifaceted thing, but that thing of kind of travel and airline travel is something that, probably is going to remain very different and changed. And as with lots of the things that you and I have just been talking about and noticing are different and will stay different or have not changed, the concept of an apocalypse and a change, is it's like incremental Mm. and we're experiencing these incremental, gradual, iterative apocalypses and that's like I feel like that's where we're heading and that's Mm. the way this world will gradually become you know and and is eternally gradually becoming changed but so are we in you know keeping with the theme of it being a post-apocalyptic world are we sort of entering a post airline travel world well maybe in terms of just people traveling at the drop of a hat trying to keep in mind that the people who can travel at the drop of a hat is actually an incredibly small percentage of the world's population yeah most people live within 
a very small radius for yeah, most of yeah. their lives. But it's, it is interesting, I think, also to think about us in, in Alice Springs and being these outsiders, being these white fellows who come from other places, mm. not having a relationship to this country or the people who are from here. I feel like it's made me really think more about what it actually means to be here because my place here now is like much less more fixed and less more visitor like. fixed yeah less conditional less mm. based on being able to travel back to melbourne or wherever you want to go every six weeks or something like that so it kind of makes you think about where you are and you sort of look around and you're just like oh like okay this is the place that i'm in i have a bit more of a sense of a respect for the distance and like, mm. I don't know, it's sort of an interesting, yeah, like metaphysical place to be occupied. Yeah, now. yeah. And it's sort of, it's kind of nice not to have the option to leave. I think in so many ways the effect of this pandemic has been to cause people to reforge their relationships and their connection with the places they're in, whatever those places are, and mm. we're doing that in a... Um, town-sized scale mm. or, or a state-size or a country-size yeah. scale here in Alice Springs. I think people in Melbourne are doing that on very tiny micro scales within their homes and their rooms and their streets and their neighbourhoods. Yeah, we're, mm. we're kind of reforging our connection to place mm. and maybe reevaluating our position in place mm. and on country. Yeah. Who would have thought, hey, it just requires a pandemic? Not just any pandemic. Sure, no. This pandemic. This pandemic. <laughs> this particular pandemic. This particular one. We're almost, we sort of are out of time. Yeah. Um, I just can't, I just cannot work this. You've just got to figure out. Look here, I'll do, this is just a little, a little capacity building exercise. For me yeah. to be able to use because the new version of an iPhone to check the timer. <laughs> we live in this dystopian future where people have this like, <laughs> like microcomputers that can fit inside their pocket and contain the whole world whilst also containing a narrow focus that causes you to narcissistically focus in on only yourself. And I'm just teaching Heather how to open it. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have a home button, guys. I just feel really lost. Do you swipe up. Swipe up. Okay. Great. Yeah. We're out of time. <laughs> that was just so we that could look at our timer. That was three minutes yeah. meant that we're now out of time. But any further reflections on a post, the possibility of a post-pandemic? No, I think it'll be interesting to see where we are in a couple of weeks after the borders, the Northern Territory borders, um, mm. become more porous again yeah. than what they are now. And um, it'll also be interesting to be a little bit closer to Christmas and see where things are at yeah. nationally, whether there is a strong movement of yeah, an upswelling to resist border closures so yeah. that people can travel to see their families. And mm. Who will be the President of the United States? Oh, yeah, that's also going to happen. Also, just quick note. Since we did last talk, Donald Trump was both oh, diagnosed and apparently recovered from COVID. I just feel like that's like one quite major. Um, yeah, that also happened. Event that we'll just brush over like at the end. Roll we credits. We also really 
brushed over the fact that Boris Johnson got it. I know he got it at a time when things were just like absolutely crazy and there was so much going on, but I think he went to ICU and I feel like that was a really quite dramatic story. I think it was a dramatic story at the time. Yeah, but um, Donald Trump hasn't gone to ICU. He did get into his helicopter to go to a hospital that's a 30-minute drive from his house. Yeah. And he has subsequently maybe been cleared of having coronavirus, but certainly hasn't actually yeah, insisting on ambiguity. Yeah, but um. Anyway, just like you know, few few world world events to track <laughs> yeah, to track in this in this pandemic, and perhaps hold our breaths and wonder mm. wonder um, which version of the dystopian future we yeah. will be how fucking recording from get? in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, this has been apocalypse apocalypse live, live. with me. Alex and me. Um, yeah. Tune in next week for the next mixtape. The next mixtape. 8 p.m. Wednesdays. Good night. Good night. Good night.